What more can I say? This is a love song, song of wonder, and having fallen in love, stumbling into it, lovely and real, the way it is. It comes from the musical Falsettos, written by William Finn. He won the Tony for Best Book and Best Original Score in 1992, when it appeared on Broadway. It's the story of the love between Marvin, who sings the song that Tim just sang for you, for us, and Marvin's lover, Wizzer. These two men sharing the parenting of Marvin's son and figuring out life and commitment and religion and all the rest are surprised to have found their hearts open to each other. In the musical, later on the same day that Marvin sings this song after he wakes up in the morning and sees Wizard there, later on that same day in the story, Wizard collapses. It's the mid-1980s. It's when the musical is set and Wizard is dying of AIDS. Not even called that yet, or only barely. When Wizard dies, Marvin sings. Later in the musical, he sings the song, What Would I Do? Would I Do It Again? Knowing that I would lose you. Yes, he sings he would do it again. For love is worth it. Falsettos, the musical, wasn't familiar to me as a story before Tim told me about it earlier this week, but it is part of a cultural moment in the late 1980s and the early 1990s, Angels in America, Philadelphia, and the band played on, and the AIDS quilt. There were hundreds and thousands and others, musicals and songs and art pieces and protests and essays and novels, cries in the wilderness, shouts from the mountaintops, songs of mourning and love and compassion, demands for justice, art, art, saying we are here. We are here. See us. I wept at Philadelphia. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But it was, and the band played on that reduced me to an ocean of sorrow and ignited a fire of rage. Have you seen And the Band Played On, a few of you? Yeah. It's the true story of the early researchers and doctors and activists who realized what was happening and who tried to rally others to do something. They were met with silence, with derision, with condemnation from so-called religious so-called leaders who said the disease was just punishment. But mostly, they were met with silence, a president who refused to say the words, the newspaper of record who would not print the story. And silence led to death. That was the saying of ACT UP, remember, some of you, silence equals death. See us. We are human. We are your kin. See us. Art broke the silence. Activists made a lot of noise. That was important. And the courage of Ryan White, you remember Ryan White, and Phil Donahue. As a young teenager at the time, I remember that episode where Phil Donahue interviewed Ryan White. I think we watched it in school. And the folks who made jokes before that mostly stopped, actually. It took a straight white child from the Midwest to get people to see the humanity of the AIDS pandemic, 
that was necessary but unfortunate. It was art, though, that really broke it open. Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington in Philadelphia, to this day, when I hear Bruce Springsteen singing, it's just you and I, my friend, a thousand miles just to slip the skin on the streets of Philadelphia, I still feel that. Compassion and that anger, that sorrow and that fire. People died who did not need to. They're dying still. They're dying still. I think there's a sense among many that the AIDS pandemic is over. Miracle of science. Now the disease, though still very dangerous, is manageable. Not quite. If you are reasonably wealthy, if you have access to health care, then yes, HIV is a manageable with regular medication use, a chronic condition, though still dangerous. And it is preventable through a regular regime of PrEP. And the message of safe sex, as well as the danger of needle sharing, is now clear to most people, sure. But what if you don't have access to public health centers or testing? What if you can't afford regular medication? What if you live in a place where environmental pollution and other public health problems make immune-compromising conditions particularly dangerous? What if you had adverse childhood experiences and so your immune system is challenged in other ways already? When World AIDS Day was first observed in 1998, or 1988, on December 1st of 1988, the focus was on children, like Ryan White and others, to build sympathy. Sympathy, pathos, makes us feel. Might open our wallets, but it's unlikely to really change the world. There's a start, though. Activists said, we don't need sympathy. We want empathy. We don't want you to pity us. We want you to see us. We want to know that we are human and real and that we matter. We want compassion, real compassion. And then we want you to turn that empathy into something else justice. Sympathy is, that's too bad. Empathy leads us to say, that's wrong, and it should be fixed. The difference between, that's too bad, and that's wrong, is everything. In that difference lies not just the seed of justice, but the recognition of our common humanity and common vulnerability. The story of the fight against AIDS and HIV and other STDs in the United States is interwoven with the problem of racism and classism. When middle class white folks were at stake, a nation was rallied. People got to work. When the work became more intersectional, when black and Latino people, when transgender people, when poor people, when they were at stake, the questions of racial and economic justice were centered. When that happened, things got more complicated. A lot of folks walked away, onward to the next cause. That's the way these stories often go. How far does compassion go? Who do we see as kin? 
Who do we see in ourselves? How colorful, how beautiful are the threads we weave together into our quilts of love and justice. The first person I knew reasonably well who had HIV was a man named Tapestry. He was black and gay and a dancer and an actor living in New York City and the friend of a friend of mine who we were in college together. He came to stay with us for a few months while we were in college. Here he was on the campus of a liberal arts college in the middle of eastern Washington State, a town of 25,000 people surrounded by wheat fields. Did not totally fit in. I remember him telling us that we were hopelessly provincial. This was 1996. And I lost touch with that friend, let alone with his friend, Tapestry. And I don't know if he made it or not. 1996, he might have. But I remember his laugh and his wit and the grace with which he moved. He was a very good dancer. I don't know if he made it or not. I do know a friend of mine, a friend of my mom's from church, and I... Confess, I cannot remember his name. I think it was Ray, but I might be wrong about that. I was young, but I know he did not make it. I know his story, but his name is escaping me. He died in the early 1990s. He'd been connected to the efforts of Unitarian Universalists in the Seattle area to set up what became known as the DeWolf House, a home for men with HIV and AIDS, established in the early 80s, very in Seattle. A church, University Unitarian of Seattle, saw human beings, saw compassion where others saw fear, saw kin where too many saw strangers. Eventually they named that place the DeWolf House for Mark DeWolf, a Unitarian Universalist minister who died of AIDS in 1988. Mark was the first to come out as HIV positive in our ministry and his congregation's care for him as he died is among the finest examples of love of which I have heard. I didn't know Mark, but I know colleagues who did, and they speak of his love and his beautiful writing and his deep compassion. And when we sing, sing out praises for the journey, which Mark wrote the words of, they cannot but weep. Pilgrims, we who carry on, searchers in the soul's deep yearnings, stand we now upon the threshold, facing futures yet unknown. I've seen them, them who know him, when we sing this song of risk, of vulnerable hope, this song of freedom, I've seen them weep. Not just with sorrow, but with memory, with love for Mark and for all those lost. The poem by Patrick Donnelly, the poem of how the subject of the poem remembers to reorder his antivirals by placing a postcard of the passion of Jesus between the third and fourth week of his medicine tray, the postcard of Jesus, a tear running down his cheek. You have to look closely, a tear. Jesus wept. You've heard that phrase? You live in the Midwest, you've heard that phrase. Jesus wept. I've heard it said with sympathetic distance. That's Jesus' problem, not mine. Right? But I've also heard it said with empathetic closeness. 
Jesus wept, I weep, for we are bound together. I'm not sure about God, and I have all kinds of quarrels with some of Jesus' teachings, but the compassion part, that's the part that gets you. Let the children come. Don't keep them away. Let the leper come near. Don't keep him away. Let the widow come. The tax collector. The man suffering from delusions. The sex worker. The adulterer. The non-believer. The centurion even. Let him come. The man who has died, I will go to him. Let them come. There is room at the table of compassion for everyone. That's the part that gets you. Where love is, God is. Ubi caritas Deus ibi est. Where love is, God is. Where compassion is limitless, where we see one another as bound together, woven together, wanders and wayfarers on the soul's journey, traveling wild roads, facing futures yet unknown, where compassion is limitless, then we might make it. Then we experience each other's humanity and our own. Jesus wept. My colleagues, reminded of Mark's humanity and ministry, weep. Hearing that music, the streets of Philadelphia, I sometimes cry my own tears, thinking of those I have known and did not know. We feel compassion in our bodies. We experience empathy in our affect, in our tears, and in our hearts. Sympathy can be the work of the mind alone, but empathy, solidarity, justice, is embodied. One reason that folks didn't want to talk about HIV-AIDS was that it was so much about bodies. It's about blood and sex and bone and muscle, about this body. And some strains of Western thought like to pretend we don't have bodies. We're just minds. Minds are what are real. But what the HIV-AIDS crisis did was galvanize people to fight for bodies to fight for both joy and safety in their bodies, in their loving, and their living. It is not lost on me, or on any observer of Western power systems, that the folks who are considered, considered most embodied are often those with less social power. GLBTQ people, women, people of color, the poor, indigenous people, they're more embodied. Meanwhile, if you're white and male and middle class, what do you learn? Don't cry. Stiff upper lip. All that nonsense. Nonsense. Hard to unlearn, but nonsense still. Compassion comes in weeping. Comes with feeling. Comes to tear ducts and goosebumps and heavy hearts. It's expressed by holding hands and hugs and loving care for bodies. It moves us, moves our bodies to justice-making, to art, to weaving and quilting, to dancing and rocking babies and caressing lovers. Compassion moves us away from words, what more can we say anyway? And into the silence, the silence of company, of love, of presence. 
Compassion takes off the masks, the illusions we tell ourselves about how everything is fine, just as it should be, nothing to see here, and invites us to see each other and ourselves as we really are, beautiful, vulnerable human. His clothes were in tatters, and his toes poked out of his boots, yet his eyes glittered, and his laugh was thunderous. Where there is love, there is God. Ubi caritas Deus ibi est. On this World AIDS Day and in the season of compassion and expectation, my prayer for you, for me, for all of us, is that we will be filled with the spirit of compassion. May we remember that the work is not finished and that for everyone, our ability to experience each other as kin, human, sacred, is central to our own humanity and our own survival. May the spirit of compassion awake the spirit of justice and solidarity so that public health clinics be everywhere and serve everyone. May our concern and care for ourselves and each other be enduring. May our tears remind us of our vulnerability and the power of love. May our memories be blessings. And may our voices rise so that silence mean not death. May the holy be enacted in our love, and may our love go everywhere. I invite you to rise in body or spirit. We're going to sing Ubi Caritas. We'll sing this through, through three times. <laughs> 